Welcome again to Hope Church. Some strange things are happening with my voice, but that's fine. Um, my name's Phil. If we haven't met, I'd love to uh, catch up with you before you leave today, perhaps over a coffee at the end. But uh, welcome again to Hope Church. It's great to have you. Is there, a, is there a music playing behind me? It's like I'm kind of... My goodness. Right, that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see you. I remember when I, uh, um, when I learned to ski, I think there's probably two ways to learn to ski. One is by going to the ski school and spending, you know, months snow plowing uh, down tiny wee slopes. The other is just to throw yourself down a black run and hope for the best. And that was how I learned to ski, uh, basically. Uh, I remember distinctly a moment where I used kind of, the thing about it is you don't know how steep the mountain is until you go over the top and are beyond the point of no return. And, uh, and, and that's a strange feeling when you suddenly realize, my goodness, there's no way else down apart from straight on. Uh, and uh, you tend to kind of skid along on your backside all the way down. But you get down. Uh, and uh, <laughs> why am I telling this story? I'm not sure. Uh, but it feel, if, I'll tell you why I'm telling this story, because it feels like this morning that um, I, came to, uh, I came to church with a kind of message prepared that I thought God had, had given me, and it feels a bit like um, I've just kind of gone over the top of a mountain with the sorts of things that God has uh, been speaking to us. It seems like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to skid down probably on my backside, but, you know, God will... God will get us to where he wants us to be uh, by the end of it, I'm sure. Because um, this, this morning I, I want to speak on perhaps what will be considered by many a dangerous topic uh, to speak on, particularly uh, at the end of January, you know, when Davina's fitness workout DVD is sitting unopened on the shelf, you know, and the, uh, that Weight Watchers subscription is just about to lapse. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you're just about contemplating, you're just about at the point where you're so uncomfortable that you're prepared to loosen your belt another notch. Uh, that's right. Today I'm speaking about expansion. <laughs> uh, you might think that's timely for, uh, for someone like me. Uh, I am in that dangerous first year of marriage uh, where a man has to get used, his body has to get used to eating more than one meal a day for the, uh, for the first time since he left home. Uh, and, and also, in about four months, I'll be 40. And that kind of, it's like this apocryphal, 40. <laughs> How did that slip out? About, f- about four months, I'll be 30. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> 40, you think, my goodness. My goodness, he looks well. <laughs> in about four months, I'll be 30. And that is kind of like the apocryphal milestone, isn't it? In a man's life, people, uh, people generally, I have to say, middle-aged men with substantial foldovers uh, are always telling me as I tuck into my second pudding, uh, you know, once you get to 30, then that is when uh, all these things that you've put in your body in your 20s will start to get their own back. And uh, the slide into a substantial foldover will be inevitable. Uh, so, 
you could think, this is a bit of a torturous beginning, but you could think uh, that, that oh, what's going on? Uh, that, um, that that's why I'm speaking about expansion, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not speaking about that kind of expansion. I'm speaking today about expansion uh, in the kingdom of God. So you can just you can all you can all sigh a relief into your elasticated trousers <laughs> because because I'm speaking about expansion of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the place where His will is done. That's that's basically what it is. It's a place where His will is done, and we think about uh, what that means. Uh, that means uh, broken-hearted people getting bound up. Uh, that means people getting saved and set free from past hurts. That means uh, hungry people getting fed, uh, the lonely people, and there's so many of them in our society, put in families. Uh, it means healing to bodies. It means joy and peace and celebration. That, that's what the kingdom of God means. That's what it's like when God gets His way. Uh, when God's will is done. That's what the kingdom of God is. And uh, it might seem a strange co- a concept, I guess, if you look, read uh, the newspapers and watch the news, that uh, the kingdom of God could be expanding. Uh, but the truth is that the Bible is full of very clear biblical promises uh, for His people that the kingdom of God will continue to expand uh, through the ages. Habakkuk chapter 2, for example, says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's, uh, it's a growing thing. It's an expanding thing. Isaiah 6 says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, of the increase of his reign and rule and peace, there will be no end. The kingdom of God will continue to expand. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so today, no matter how, where you are in, in, in life, no matter where you, what situation uh, you've come from, uh, no matter how much you've been reading the news or haven't, the truth is this that God is interested in His kingdom coming to this earth, His kingdom expanding in our nation. And uh, all through uh, revival history, really, uh, it's not about uh, whole societies really uh, turning around. It's really about small numbers of people, like the Moravians we were seeing uh, on the 24-7 video, catching something from God and then turning the world upside down. And that's been true all the way of God's people all the way back in to the beginnings of the church in Acts, when 120 people in an upper room in Acts 2, within a few chapters, were said to be the people who turned the world upside down. Just a small group of people. A small group of people who caught something about God's heart and plan to expand His kingdom to the ends of the earth. Um, it's what's happened in the past and it will happen again. It will happen again, because uh, that's the promise from God. We're going to read a passage from Scripture today about a, a period in, in the history of God's people that, where things were pretty bleak, 
what happened was um, the children of Israel had wanted a, a king on the throne, and they'd ended up with Saul, who, who could have been great. God certainly um, gave him the opportunity to be great, but he wasn't great. Um, and he, he kind of led his people into uh, you know, kind of d- terrible situations and uh, to the point where actually they were oppressed by their enemies, oppressed by uh, the Philistines who were the kind of key enemies of the period. And uh, it, when, we, when we read this uh, story, just before uh, we get to this scripture, we're told uh, that there's really only, this, this kind of oppression has got so bad that there's only two swords in the whole of the kingdom. There's one that Saul's got and one that his son, uh, Jonathan's got. Now, the one in Saul's hand is, as we'll see, fairly useless. But the one in Jonathan's hand, because Jonathan is a great man who loved God and trusted in him, he uses to expand the kingdom of God. Okay, so that's the backstory. We're going to be in 1 Samuel and chapter 14. I'm going to read a section. We'll pray, and then we'll get on with it. Okay, 1 Samuel 14 and from verse 1. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gabeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 including lots of people with difficult names that we don't need to read now. Uh, And the people who were with them did not know that Jonathan had gone. So Jonathan has kind of broken away from the rest of the army uh, with his armor bearer, his kind of assistant, the one who should be carrying all his swords and stuff. But as he's only got one sword, you wonder what the armor bearer was actually bearing, but he must have had something. Uh, And uh, he's broken away uh, with him. Verse 4, the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other side. Uh, And then we're told what the names of these are, but we don't need them now. Verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Okay, this is the plan. Behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, Wait till we come to you, Then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up and fight them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be a sign for us. Verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look. You wonder how they said this. Look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes in which they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. I wonder what that thing was. 
absolutely bizarre. I read that, I thought, what thing? <laughs> Probably the end of the, their sword, uh, I would have thought. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into uh, the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up in his hands and feet, and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. He must have kind of, I think actually in the message, it does say that he just kind of bashed, bashed their heads in with a rock. Um, obviously assuming that that must have been the way he did it. Um, The armor bearer killed them after him, and at that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within half a furrow's length or an acre of land. Let's just pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence among your people. Lord, thank you for speaking to us, Lord, this morning already about breakthrough, Lord, about your desire to uh, break through in our lives, Uh, Lord, your desire to break through in our world, God, and uh, communicate your love uh, to your people and to uh, this world which so desperately needs to hear your message of grace. And Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning, Lord, that, that you would speak to us through this message, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to us about um, the the expanding kingdom of God, your plan for each one of us. And Lord, that we would be people who, like Jonathan and his armor bearer, would see your kingdom expand dramatically uh, in our lives. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to ask two uh, questions, really, uh, of this passage, and a wee bit after that I'll read a bit later on. Uh, the first of them is this: What does this passage tell us about how the kingdom of God expands? And the second one is: What does this passage tell us about what happens when the kingdom of God expands? But that first question we'll deal with initially: What does this passage tell us about how? the kingdom of God expands. I think the first thing that it tells us is that, well, it tells us the significance of the heart in kingdom expansion. In verse 7, the armor bearer said to Jonathan, do all that is in your heart. It is hard to overstate the significance of heart in the extension of the kingdom of God. Jesus, who was the perfect representation of the father heart of God, when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything you are. Jesus is saying, love God. Let your kingdom come, essentially that is. Let your kingdom come in my life, God, as it is in heaven. And Jesus, really, his mission on earth was to win hearts. And his mission on earth to this day is winning hearts. Often, we focus in church on the things that we do wrong, as if they were things in and of themselves. 
But Jesus is teaching on, on issues of sin, on issues of disobedience, was simply this, that there was something in the throne of our hearts other than God. He would say that actually from within the heart of a man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things, Jesus said, come from within, come from within your heart. And that's what defiles a person. If you're here today and you're struggling with any of these things, you can get into that sense of focusing on the thing itself. But Jesus didn't do that. He said it's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of something in your, in your heart. The Bible, when it speaks of your heart, it speaks of your, the seat of your affections. It says, actually, something is on the throne of your heart other than God. And what I think God wants to do today is actually push a few of these things off the throne of your heart and more and more that his will could be done and his kingdom could come in your life. And all the way through the early church, we see this focus on heart transformation. When Peter preached the gospel in the first day of the church in Acts 2, the Bible records not that they changed their mind and started behaving differently, although they did, but their first reaction was that they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the spot of the apostles, brother, what do we need to do to be saved? In the early uh, church history that's recorded in the rest of Acts, an early convert to Christianity says, what prevents me from being baptized? And the answer comes from Philip, if you believe with all your heart, you may. When Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What used to really anger Jesus when he was on this earth was people who would, instead of making relationship with God an issue of the heart, would focus on rule-keeping. When people seem to be more interested in keeping the rules than in caring for suffering people, he said to them in Mark 3, that it says that he, he looked at them with anger and he was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. The problem with rules is they don't soften your heart. They make them harder. The kingdom of God does not expand through rule-keeping. It does not expand through religious tradition. When religious people of the day quoted foolish traditions to Jesus instead of authentic relationship with God, Jesus quoted Isaiah and said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are far from me. The kingdom of God expands in the hearts of his people first. It comes to their hearts. Sometimes 
Jesus' disciples didn't understand his teaching. It's interesting that again, Jesus focused on their hearts. He said, do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? It's interesting that Moses, a man of the old covenant of the law, understood that the heart was the real issue more than most who actually came after him. He got to the point where he said to God, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me. That was close. I think I cut it off just before. Now therefore, but it's on tape so we can all go over it. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please now show me your ways. Show me your ways. For the kingdom of God to expand in our hearts, we've got to fall in love not only with God, but fall in love with God's ways. Proverbs 19 says this, many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Kingdom of expansion comes to a people when God's agenda replaces their own agenda in their affections. It's not just that there's a people who want to do something for God. It's that a people who have learned to love God's ways of doing things. This, this is the promise that there's always been for God's people. That God would come and He would put His ways his way of doing things on their hearts. In Jeremiah 32, I'll read this one really carefully. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their people and they shall be my so I will be their God, and they shall be... I'm having real trouble reading this morning. And they shall be my people. The history of revival, the history of sudden and rapid kingdom of ex- expansion is that a small group of people gave up their own efforts, gave up their own agendas, gave up their own thoughts of how God should do things or how God might do things and sought him in prayer and asked him to show us his ways. I hope that we are and are increasingly becoming in Hope Church a family that carries this kind of thing in our hearts that actually we don't just want to build church 
we don't just want to run outreach events or run meetings, but actually we want God. We want to seek God. We really, we're really serious. We want Him. We want His ways. We want His strategies. We want to know how He would do it on this earth. I don't want us to be people who, who build things and ask God to bless them, but people who seek God for what He's building and get behind His ideas. This is the heart of, of David in Psalm 75, where he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. There's a hymn that we sometimes sing in this meeting. And there's a verse in it that says this, Let me all thy love accepting love thee ever all my days. Let me seek thy kingdom only and my life to be thy praise. Thou alone shall be my glory. Nothing in this world I see. Thou hast cleansed and sanctified me. Thou thyself hast set me free. That was a hymn that was written during the Welsh revival. A time of rapid kingdom expansion. A time when people's hearts were so gripped with the love of God that they were able to sing, actually, you alone will be my glory. Nothing else in this world I see. I've given up all my plans. I've turned in all my agendas. I just want you, Jesus. It's hard to overstate the significance of the heart and the extension of the kingdom of God. Every time someone gets healed, every time someone gets clothed and fed in the name of Jesus, every time someone gets saved, it comes out of God's heart. Not from a a corporate uh, board meeting or a strategy, but from God's heart. John 3 tells us that God so loved the world that He sent His Son. He sent His Son. God's kingdom is a family. And He sent His Son to show us His heart and His ways. And it's interesting that the early church caught this when Paul sent Timothy to the Corinthians, he said this, This is why I send you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. The kingdom is family. God sends, the Father sends His Son to show us His heart. Paul sends Timothy, his son in the faith, to show his heart and to remind him of his ways. We need to be the same kind of people. So expansion in the kingdom of God happens first in people's hearts. Before the victory was a reality on the battlefield, God had put dream in Jonathan's heart. 
I wonder what dreams God has put in your heart. Maybe some of you have the dream that one day there will be no homeless people in Glasgow. Maybe you ha- some of you have a dream that actually the hospitals in Glasgow will be empty because the people will be coming to the church and getting healed. Maybe there's a dream in your heart that Glasgow will just be a center of worship. There'll be so many people who will honor the name of Jesus that Glasgow will be famous throughout the world as a place of worship. What dreams has God put in your heart? To have an amazing family, to raise incredible kids who love God. What happened to Jonathan is that God put a dream in his heart. God won his heart. And even though things were depressing, he gave more weight to the dream that God had put in his heart than to his circumstances. So the first thing is this, that God's kingdom expansion comes first in the hearts of his people. The story also, though, second, tells us of the importance of encouragement in the kingdom of God's expansion. In verse 7, his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. There's a critical role in this story for the armor bearer. One wonders how this story would have, how different this story would have been if the armor bearer hadn't been involved, if the armor bearer hadn't been there to say to Jonathan, yeah, I'm with you, go for it, do everything that's in your heart, what would have happened? Encouragement was the key to bringing kingdom expansion. What a lovely tune (laughs) we can hear. Encouragement is the key to kingdom expansion. Matthew 13, Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man sowed into a field. It's the smallest of seeds, like powder apparently. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Listen, our job, if we want the kingdom to expand through us in our lifetimes, is to encourage each other into our destinies in God. It's to see the spark of God in each of us and encourage it out. Proverbs 20 says, the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. What's the dream that God has put in your heart? Get around people who will encourage it out of you. I look across this church and I can, I think of dozens of people who have incredible gifts that just need a bit of encouraging out. You know, people like Alan Harrison, 
I tell you what, we need this man. We need this man's teaching gift. So next time you pass him over coffee, make sure that you encourage it out. Sarah Harrison, I tell you what, what an incredibly pastoral woman she is. I thank God that she's in this church. Let's encourage that out. Dan Brown, good to see you, Dan Brown. A prophetic man. A prophet. Let's encourage each other in everything. A man of understanding will draw it out. Are you a man of under- or a woman of understanding? Draw it out. Do you spot things in people? Take the time to, to send them a text. To just say an embarrassing thing to them. <laughs> to give them a hug. Draw it out. Listen, this is how the kingdom expands. God puts things in our hearts, but it's our responsibility to encourage them out of each other. And that's what the armor bearer did. So, um, it's interesting that, that Jesus also told another parable about the kingdom of, of, of God. He said this, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, or leaven, as some people say, uh, that the woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Some of us, uh, in our workplaces, that's kind of what we are. We're like, we're like leaving in the dough. We're kind of, uh, we're going in there with a different mentality, with a different set of values. We're, we're trying to bring God to the whole lump. That's a tough thing to do. You feel, feel I mean, how does it feel to be a bit of leaving in a big dump, a big... <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> pray, pray, there's something wrong with my mouth today. I think my, I think my tongue is perhaps slightly too big. Is it swollen? How does it feel? I mean... How would it feel to be a leaving in that? Goodness, but <laughs> not great, I would imagine. <laughs> not great. But how would it feel to be in a lump? Just a little leaving in a lump. <laughs> I tell you, I told you I would skid down on my backside. I told you I would. How does it feel to be a little leaving in the lump? I tell you what, you, it needs encouraging. If you're out there, if you're out there trying to bring the kingdom of God to the people in your work, to the people in your family, to the people in your neighborhood, it can get lonely, it can get tough, you can feel oppressed, you can feel surrounded. You need encouraging. You need encouraging. This should be the most encouraging couple of hours of your week. It should be. If it's not, there's something wrong. You should leave here feeling 10 feet tall. 
because God has spoken hope into your life and you've been encouraged 25 times before you get to the door. That's what this place should be like. The king, that's how the kingdom of God expands. That's how we'll get the most out of each other. That's how we'll get everybody's gifts functioning the way they should. When they're encouraged out of people. The kingdom expands through the heart, through encouragement, and also through faith. What a crazy story of faith this is. A crazy story of faith. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. If they say to us, wait till we come over to you, then we will stand still in our place. And we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hands. And this shall be a sign to us. That's nonsense. <laughs> that is a crazy, crazy suggestion. I think this, this passage is trying to teach us something about faith. That it doesn't really matter where it comes from or how you get it. What matters is you've got it. You meet people like that. I feel like my life is surrounded by prophetic types of people who say crazy things most of the time. I'm trying to learn that it doesn't actually really matter sometimes how they got faced. You know, I, I've just, uh, you know, I was, I was shaving this morning and I missed a bit. And I just feel that the Lord is telling me through that. And you think, what? <laughs> you know, I was putting my rubbish out and the bin broke. And from that, I felt the Lord was saying, you think, really? God doesn't speak to me like that. But what I'm trying to learn is that actually, faith is the key thing. God speaks to people in different ways. What matters is that we've got faith, really. I remember a while back, Johnny rang me up. He said, I just feel that God's spoken to me. And uh, I just feel like he's spoken to me, we should just go to a charity shop, buy the worst pair of trackies that you can, money can buy, and then we're just going to walk into town on like a Friday night or Saturday night or something, we're just going to pray for people. And I'm at the end of the phone going, really? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in the course of that conversation, I thought, this man has faith. I mean, I don't, I mean, trackies, really? <laughs> really? Jared, really? But listen, he had faith. And I wanted to encourage that. So I put on my worst pair of trackies. Believe it or not, I have a few. And we walked into town together and prayed for people. Listen, faith is such a key thing for king, the kingdom to expand. Risk, really, risk. And we must encourage that in one another. Encouragement and faith kind of go together. Discouragement can kill faith. Encouragement can raise it. We must encourage faith in one another. We must encourage people to take risks. Even if they are crazy, we must not get into the habit too much of judging how they came to faith. That's not really the key issue. Oh, well, you know, your bin broke. That's not how God speaks to me. It's probably not God. Well, it might be. 
what we're looking for is actually, has God spoken to this person? Is there faith there? If there is, let's go for it. Let's encourage it. Faith is important. I also want you to notice that it's not just a specific faith that God has spoken. It's also an atmosphere generally that um, Jonathan has cultivated in his life. He says this, um, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Jonathan had this sown into his life that God is powerful, that he wants to save people all the time, and that he is with us right now to do that. He had that sown into his life so that actually when a specific word came, he was ready. He thought, God, you're with me. You're powerful. You can do anything. We need to get that sown into our hearts that God is with us all the time. So that when somebody sitting across from me at work says, no, I've got a dodgy knee, you can say, well, actually, God, you're with me. You're powerful. You're strong. That's the sign. That's the sign I was waiting for. And you can get involved. Or when somebody tells you that they're skint, and you're a bit skint too, you know that God can use you. So you give away some money. Why? Because you've sown into your life this atmosphere of faith that God is good. He's powerful. He's with us. He wants to save people all the time. He wants to save the people that you know. He loves the people that you love more than you do. And he wants to reach them. Faith is important in kingdom expansion. Briefly, what does this passage tell us about what happens when the kingdom of God expands? Kingdom expands through the heart, through encouragement, through faith, but what happens when the kingdom expands? We'll read a wee bit more of the story from verse 15. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and a lot among all the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. And the watchman of Saul at Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. And Saul said to the people who were with him, count and see who has gone from us. And when he had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahiah, bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at at that time with the people of Israel. Now, when Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Enough of that. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great confusion. Now, the Hebrews had been with the Philistines before that time, who had gone up with them into the camp. Even they also turned to be with the Philistines who were with Saul and Jonathan. Sorry, with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them into battle. 
So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Beth Haven. The first thing that happens when the kingdom of God expands is chaos. There was a very great panic in the camp. It was chaotic. It was a complete mess. It was hard to know what was going on, really. You ever been in a meeting like that? But it's kind of hard to know what's going on. You kind of look around and go, well, this is chaos. This isn't exactly according to the plan. This isn't exactly what I'd imagined this meeting was going to turn out like, but now it's chaotic. When the kingdom of God expands, it often does so chaotically. We've got to get used to that and not get too worried about it. Because the problem was with Saul, he was worried about it. Do you notice his reaction, Saul, the king who wasn't doing very well? Count and see who's gone out from us. You see, when chaos happens and it's all a bit out there, people can get afraid, get fearful. Who's gone? Check, check the numbers. Who's still here? Who's, who's finding this all right? Is everybody finding this Okay. Everybody okay with this? This is a bit weird. This person's laughing. This person's falling over. Everybody okay? Is everybody all right? This person's screeching in the corner. (laughs) More Lord. Is everybody okay? Can I just check? Is everybody fine with what's going on right now? You can get afraid. You can want to check. How's everyone doing? You can even do what? It's fear, but it's also a bit of religious thing, isn't it? So I was like, well, let's bring the ark, bring up the ark, let's pray. Uh, I mean, as soon as it gets a bit out of hand, he stops praying. He's not praying that hard. You know, he's not that interested in what God's thinking about it. He's just kind of, let's make this look good. So let's get the ark, you know, the priest, excellent, let's pray. Um, <laughs> you know? And then the, when the battle comes a bit closer, ah, stop it, <laughs> draw your sword. We must, we must, 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 must develop a, a level of comfort, if that's ever possible, with, with God's chaos when He's breaking through. And we must, must, must not get into fear and religiousness when He's on the move. It's a real temptation. We've got to, got to, got to stop it happening. The other thing that happens when the God's kingdom expands is that the enemy is defeated. The enemy is defeated. That's why we can't get into fear and religiousness, because listen, the chaos, if you actually look at what is happening in the chaos, is that the enemy is getting defeated. They're getting routed. In fact, they're turning their swords on themselves. They're they're the ones in the blind panic. We shouldn't be. There's a great confusion, but the confusion is the enemy fleeing, the enemy going, the enemy being routed. And the other great thing that happens when God's kingdom comes is that God's people come out of hiding. Some of them even come back from the enemy. But they all get back into their calling in God to go and take ground for the kingdom. 
You see, at this time, Israel was in a bad place. And, and lots of people in Israel had kind of given up on it. You know, pretty sure, you know, God's not in this anymore, or maybe I'm just a bit disillusioned with what's happening. And they'd kind of gone into hiding. They'd kind of left the army, absconded, but hiding out in a cave, hoping that it will all pass soon. Some of them had quit Israel altogether, gone to fight for the Philistines. Maybe they've got a better chance. Sometimes it's like that in church. You can look at church and think, actually, are we really going anywhere? (laughs) You know, that's all very well, but is this really going to happen? You know, I felt God gave me a dream, but it's just not happening. And, you know, will it ever happen? You can kind of go into hiding, find yourself in a cave just thinking, actually, do you know what? I'm depressed. I've had enough of this. Sometimes you could even just get out altogether, go join the world. They look a lot more successful than we are. You can forget that you ever had a calling, you ever had a dream. But when the kingdom of God expands suddenly and dramatically like it does in this story, you start to get people come out of hiding. And you start to get people coming back from the enemy. You know, I think in this church, we've got some people in hiding. I think we've got people who've got dreams in their hearts, maybe old dreams that God's given them. Maybe they weren't encouraged. Maybe you lived under a terrible regime even, where it wasn't encouraged and it just failed and died. You found yourself in a cave. Maybe you even found yourself going back to the world. Listen, this is the time when you come out of hiding. This is the time when you come back from the enemy onto the right side. And you get back into your calling in God. I want to give an opportunity for people to respond today. And then our response time, I know that we always have a response time for prophetic words, for healing, for coming back to God, but I want to kind of focus on three things today. I want to call a response for people who feel like they're in hiding, feel like they have a dream that's not really been realized, and they've got into fear. I want people to respond if you've switched teams, actually, you've just kind of gone into the world and kind of forgotten really who you are. Maybe you're kind of wondering if you ever really were aligned with God. And the third thing is that for the response is for people who feel the pull of fear and religion. You kind of think, when things start kicking off in meetings, you just think, actually, get me out of here. Or at least, or sometimes what you do, isn't it? I love it when people do this. What they do is they just like, pretend they're doing something really spiritual. <laughs> you know, like, in the hope that no one will come over and talk to them <laughs> or pray for them. <laughs> they feel the pull of fear and religion. Listen, you're responding today to Jesus. 
Jonathan in this story is just like Jesus. He has you in his heart. God's put you in his heart. And he's the one who fights through the enemy lines. He fights through all the enemies of, of mankind, sin and death and discouragement and despair to bring you back into his kingdom. Shall we stand? And maybe have the band back. Dear Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for your incredible grace. Jesus, I thank you that you were the, that Jonathan was just a type of, of Christ, really, in this story, that you're the one who fought through the enemy lines because you had us in your heart. And Jesus, I, I, I want to pray, Lord, for us all here, Lord, anyone here who's feeling in hiding, Lord, anyone here who feels afraid and a bit religious, anyone here who's switched teams, Lord, I, I thank you that today is the day of breakthrough for them. Today is the day where you break through the enemy lines and you route them and get them back into your team, back into your family, back into your kingdom. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. So we add up.